Well, good morning and welcome to Luke 418 Fellowship. We are so glad that you have joined us for worship this morning. A couple of announcements as we begin. Uh, there will be a lemonade stand uh, for orphans on August the 26th. We ask that you would pin that down or mark that on your calendar and plan to come by. Our children's ministry is going to have a lemonade stand and all of the funds, all the proceeds are going to go for orphans in India. And so uh, this was a great fundraiser last year to teach our children how they can serve and to learn about the plight of the orphan and how they can be involved in getting the gospel to them. The Mobile Baptist Association is doing the walk for Bibles. We've participated in this for years. This is nothing new to many of you. Uh, Luke 418 has approved a donation of $100 to purchase Bibles for every one of you that will commit to show up and walk that 5K. It's a three-mile walk. You can walk as slow or fast as you want. Uh, There are those who will lap you, and there are those who will just stand and talk with you. That would be me. So... Um, that is Saturday, October 14th. If you are willing to do that, the go table, there's a sign up out there. We need to know how many people have signed up. So we are prepared to make that donation on behalf of you. So you don't have to go and get sponsors. You, you already have a sponsor. Luke 418 is going to sponsor you if you're willing to go and do that. And that purchases Bibles for international ministry, the ships that come in downtown. And then finally, Family Fun Day is going to be at Camp Grace. Uh, Our church picnic opportunity is going to be September the 10th. We've we've done this for years, so uh, hopefully the weather will change before September the 10th. Uh, But from 2 to 7, we'll be there. Uh, So plan on that and put that on your calendar as well. We'll turn our attention to the baptistry as we begin worship today. It is always a joy to begin our time of worship with baptism. Today we have uh, two people coming to profess Christ as Lord and Savior. First we have Miss Nora Myers. We got you. I got you. You good? You okay? okay. Uh-huh. You almost baptized yourself. <laughs> Leave it to me. You know, Miss Nora has come and they or she joined uh, Luke four eighteen just recently, and in doing so, she came up to me and she said, "Brother David, I was baptized before salvation, and four years ago she came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior." And we talked about just the biblical understanding of baptism. And she said, I need to be baptized as a profession of faith of what God has done in her life. Amen. Miss Nora, I ask you, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes, he is. Amen. I don't remember what to do. You want to hold your nose? There you go. Put your hand there. Miss Nora, it's upon your profession of faith that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ unto death. And raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Amen. I'm going to help you up. No, I got you. And then we have Jordan Orso coming today. I want to share just briefly the story with Jordan. 
he came to me and he shared that it was through the summer community groups that he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. As he met with a community group, he, he realized that he could ask some tough questions. And, and through that time, he talked with Richard Atwell and, and others. And he recognized that he needed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And today he comes professing Christ as Lord and Savior. Jordan, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. Amen. Well, Jordan, it's upon your profession of faith that I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ unto death, and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you're so good. And we just praise your holy name. We recognize that it's only by the blood of Jesus that these two have come and received eternal life. And so we thank you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here today who has not come to you, that today would be the day of salvation. We recognize that this is just water, but they have been transformed by the blood of Jesus, and now they proclaim through the obedience of baptism what you have done. So, Father, I pray that we would run together for the kingdom of God, proclaiming to this world that there is salvation in none other than your Son, Jesus. And, Father, I pray that many more would come and be baptized because they have found the only hope, and that is Jesus. For it's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us this morning. We're so glad that you're here. We're glad that our, our college students are back today. And Mr. Josh Trimble, uh, he was leading worship all weekend. And he's going to lead worship with us today. Uh, we have been blessed to have so many baptisms over this summer. So many people saying that I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Why don't you welcome somebody around you as we begin to sing today. This is amazing grace that we get to sing about. Amen. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless? In awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. Who 
brings our chaos back into order. Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who rules the nation with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would save my place. That you would bear my Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Sing it out this morning. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Amazing grace, this is unfailing love. Then you would take my place, then you would bear my cross. You lay down your life, then I would be set free. Remember those walls this morning. Remember those walls and we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died and he rose. Those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we called death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died. Amen. And he rose. Those giants are dead now. Sing this morning. This is our God. This is our God. And this is who he is. He loves.
One day we will see him face to face. Our story is one that has no end because we will be with him forever. Let's sing Blessed Assurance today. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Savior, 
sing that chorus one more time, but instead of my story, I want us to sing our story. This is our story. This is our song. If we were in Christ, we are one body and we follow him. Let's sing This Is Our Story today. This is our story. This is our song. Praising our Savior all the day long. This is our our song, praising our Savior all the day long. You may be seated as we continue in worship today, as we focus on that sacrifice for salvation that was given at the cross today. His blood ran red, and we owe him everything today. And there's a place where mercy reigns. And never dies And there's a place Where streams of grace Flow deep and wide Where all the love I've ever found Comes like a flood, comes flowing down. Would you sing with us today? At the cross, I surrender my life. It's all His. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where you
about our lives and because of what he has done for us we in turn give him our all and our everything he is the greatest person that we could give our life to the greatest thing that we could give our life to because he has been exactly where we are right it says in hebrews 4 that therefore since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast to our confession and that is this For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. If you're carrying something that is heavy today, lay it down at the altar. Come to the altar today. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. Hallelujah. 
Father, we pray that we would live this life in such a way that it is worthy of that great grace that we have been given. We pray that we would take up our cross daily and follow you, knowing that you laid down your life for us. We pray that we would tell the lost and broken world how we can stand despite our circumstances, that we can have joy and pain, walk through this life knowing that this is not our home, this is not the end and that we can have rest and peace in a Savior that knows us by name that knows everything about us and Lord we give you our, our time, our talents financial gifts and our everything today, we love you we pray that we would always have your praise on our lips as we gather together and as we go about our way Wherever we are, we have this firm foundation and this living hope. Jesus Christ crucified and raised from the dead. We know that your righteousness is on us today. And we love you, Lord. We pray it in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.
I was down. I turned to the Lord and I pondered all of His wonders. As I waited there, He heard my cry and was faithful to lift me up to the rock. He set my feet on the rock and gave a firm place to stand. You put a song in my mouth and now I lift up my hands with a voice of praise to our God. The world will see and hear and trust the Lord who set my feet on the rock. Oh, now I will share your mercy and love. I cannot withhold your salvation and for all who hear and speak your name you are faithful to lift them up to the rock oh you set my feet on the rock and gave a firm place to stand you put a song in my mouth you do open up to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Um, by the way, Miss Nora was good. She was okay. Um, you know, I just, I love the testimonies of both Jordan and Miss Nora coming for baptism today, both trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
one just a few days ago and one a few years ago, but walking in that obedience. So the last couple weeks since I got back from my sabbatical, we've been talking about the glory of God. And we've kind of gone in a a little bit of a different direction because oftentimes we think of God's glory as uh, a bright light or, or the creation in the mountains. And I showed some of those pictures. But last week or two weeks ago, we looked at how God spoke and said, I'm going to show you my goodness to Moses. When he was talking about Moses said, show me the glory. And he said, I'm going to show you my goodness. And we saw in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, that when Moses went, or excuse me, when God went by Moses in the cleft of the rock, what did God speak of but his character? In in Exodus 34, 6 and 7, it says, The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquities, transgressions, and sin. Oftentimes, whenever we think of God, we we see God as as he's upset with us for our our struggle or our sin or this or that. And, and, And oftentimes we miss that God is saying, hey, from the heart of who I am is compassion and grace and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. We saw two weeks ago that Jesus came to this earth and he is the glory of God wrapped in human flesh. We also saw that in Jesus and the Father is the Word. And so when we get into the Word, we see the glory of God. And then we went even further and saw that when we abide and dwell in the Word, then the fruit of the Spirit comes forth from our life, which is a reflection of the glory of God in and through our life. Last week, we went through a historical narrative of the glory of God departing Israel because the Ark of the Covenant had been taken away. We saw that, uh, that the only way for that to return was through repentance of sin by seeking the word and walking in obedience of the word. And so we posed the question last week. We said, is there areas of our life that we're not reflecting the glory of God? And if so, we need to repent. We need to get into God's word and walk in accordance to that. Today, we're going to kind of continue on that thread as we look in Matthew 11. And we're going to look at the only passage that I have found in Scripture in the New Testament that speaks of the heart of Jesus. It's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Now, as I've shared with you, when I was on my sabbatical, I really enjoyed reading this book. I read one chapter a day because that's all that I could get through without having just so much to think about and dwell on and meditate. Today, I will read two portions of this book, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortherland. But I want you to know that this book has really helped me with this outline of understanding God, Jesus' heart. I would suggest you reading this book, but I do want you to know there's only one perfect book, and that's this one, the Word of God. And so I share all of that to to give credit where credit is due, but also to recognize that we're going to look at God's Word of His heart today. We're going to pick up in verse 28. It says this in Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. Let's pray. Father, you are so good, and we just praise your holy name. We thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us your heart. Thank you for speaking this. And now we recognize that it's only through the, the, the Holy Spirit of promise that we can grasp that which you are speaking. And so, Holy Spirit, illuminate the pages today as we seek out the heart of God. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory. For it's in your holy name. Amen. You know, as we look at Matthew 11, we see at the beginning of Matthew 11 is Jesus speaking about John the Baptist. We see that Jesus speaks that there was none greater. And he said that he was the Elijah who was to come to prepare the way of the Lord. And Jesus uh, speaks all of this after John sent his disciples saying, Hey, go make sure, then see if this is the Messiah or if there is another one coming. Then Jesus goes into, in Matthew 11, about unrepentant cities. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. He says that they saw all these miracles, but yet they did not repent. And because of that, he says, it's going to be worse for them on uh, the day of judgment than it will be for Sodom. Then he comes down into verse 28, and he speaks this, that he says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I share with you that overview because we're going to get back to that at the end of this message. For those who don't come to Christ, those who don't come to Jesus, he speaks clearly of what will take place in just the verses above. The reason I say all that as we begin is because I don't want you to think that, oh, David's only going to talk about the gentleness and and the humility of Jesus and everything's okay. Let me just tell you, for those who do not come to Jesus, the scripture speaks very clearly of what will take place. But the first thing I want us to look at is this, this command in verse 28, this command to come to me. Now we know who me is. That's Jesus. Jesus is speaking that. And if you need more clarification, it's capitalized in your Bible. Why? Because it's speaking of Jesus. Jesus gives this command to come to me. I love listening to Billy Graham back in the day. And at the end of his message, what was his famous saying that he would say? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And as he would say that, people would just flood the altar because they wanted to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. As we look at this, Jesus speaks of who is to come. Now we're going to talk about how do you come to Jesus, but before that, let's see who is to come. He says, all who are weary and heavy laden. Now that word all, as Brother Fred used to say, means, wow, y'all listened, That word all means all. Now you may say, but David, it's saying all who are heavy laden and weary. Those who are weary and heavy laden. There's a a specific group that's supposed to come. But can I tell you that even those who are not born again in Christ, those who are not believers in Christ, even though they think that they're not weary and heavy laden, they are weary and heavy laden. When Jesus says, come all who are weary and heavy laden, he's speaking to all. He's saying, as the scripture says, that Jesus died for all. For all. He said in uh, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, that word whosoever is talking about the whole earth. He died for all mankind. The problem is, is that several people will reject him. He says, come to me those who are weary and heavy laden. That word weary means tired or to lose heart. 
The word heavy laden means to carry a heavy burden or to place a load on someone. You know, we may be here today and you may say, Whoa, David, that's me. I've got a heavy load that I'm carrying. And Jesus is saying, come to me. You may say, but David, I'm a born-again believer. I mean, I thought you were talking about salvation, and, and he is. But let me tell you, Jesus is also saying to believers, come to me and lay everything down that you're walking through. Whenever I think about this idea of a heavy laden or a heavy burden, I'm reminded of what the people in this day were walking with. They had the Pharisees that were giving them this uh, rules and regulations that you had to do this and you had to do that. And, and listen, if you go to Israel with me, you won't even be able to ride a certain elevator because on Shabbat, the elevator goes to every floor because it's to do work to touch one of the buttons. And so they say, like, hey, if you're going to observe the Sabbath, you can't even touch a button on the elevator. Now, if you go with me and, and you've been mean to me, I will say, hey, why don't you take this elevator right here? But we see the Pharisees and the Sadducees are putting these rules and regulations upon the people. And we took a whole lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about how Jesus said, hey, I've come to fulfill the law. And you've heard what the Pharisees have said about the law. But let me tell you the heart of the law. They've been burdened with these rules and regulations. And Jesus is saying, all those who are heavy laden, come to me. But he wasn't just talking about the rules and regulations that the Pharisees put on them. But he was also talking about the burden that sin has placed upon people. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall of man. And in that moment, the scripture says in, in the book of Romans that all have sinned, all are born into sin. Sin, the heavy laden of sin, is upon our shoulders from the moment that we are born because of the fall of man in Genesis 3. And Jesus is saying, come to me, those who are burdened with, with that of sin. Let me just tell you, the punishment of sin is what? The scripture says, death. We all deserve death. We are holding, when somebody is not born again, somebody is not in Christ Jesus, have not submitted to the lordship of Christ, they are holding the burden that sin has created, and that is death. That is the wrath of God upon them. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Now, here's what I think is beautiful. He doesn't say, come to me, those who are righteous. He doesn't say, come to me, those who have it all put together. No, he says, come to me just as you are. So how do we come? How do we come to Jesus? That word come, that, that command is to move forward towards and we just said that, that we come just as we are first and foremost. You can't clean yourself up enough to come to Jesus. And even if you did clean yourself up, just, just hear this out for a moment. Even if you did clean yourself up, you would still come to Jesus on the same grounds as a sinner that has nothing to offer but the sin that separated you from Jesus. Even if you cleaned yourself up to the point you're like, okay, I'm ready to stand before the Lord. You still come before Jesus just as the most sinful person who comes to Jesus and says, here I am. I'm laying it all down. See, if you think that you can clean yourself up to come to Jesus, then you're relying on your works rather than relying on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How do we come to Jesus? We recognize that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. 
We recognize that Romans 3.23 tells us that, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I tell people that we've got to recognize that because we have to understand why we're separated from God. Why do we need a Savior? Well, it's because of what sin has done in our life. It's separated us from God. The way we come to Jesus is recognizing that we're a sinner in need of a Savior. And then we lay everything down. You lay your rights down, your plans, your desires. You say, well, David, that just doesn't sound good. Well, as you study the Word and as you get in the Word, you'll find out that God's ways are better than your ways. When you get in the Word, you'll find out that God has a perfect plan for you. You know, I, I often share in the scripture, it talks about this understanding of a bondservant, and that was one who gave up their freedom. Somebody who was free, that gave up their freedom to serve the master. And I often share this, I say, listen, for a bondservant to give up their freedom means that they're saying that to serve the master is way better than anything I could do on my own in my own freedom. Is that not what we say to Christ when we come to Him and lay everything down? What you are offering in my life is so much better through serving you as Lord and Savior than anything that I can do in my own strength or my own power. Now, though we, we think sometimes, oh, I, I, I can do this and I can do that, but do we not realize that it's by the grace of God that we have been given that which we have? See, we must realize first that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. Then we must lay down everything before the, the Lord, our rights, our plans, our desires, recognizing that His ways are greater than our ways. But can I tell you, there is one part that you love to lay down, and that's the sin. That's the punishment. We get to not only lay down our whole life, but that includes all the junk. We lay it down. He says, come to me, those who are heavy laden. And lay it down before me. Then as we come to Jesus laying that down. Recognizing that he is our savior. We receive the forgiveness of our sins. That receiving of the forgiveness of our sins is, is spoken many times in scripture. But I just decided to choose Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 to speak of it. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight it's through the blood of jesus that we receive the forgiveness of sins i tell people all the time that at salvation we are saved from the penalty of sin what is the penalty of sin it's death and as we receive the free gift of God by submitting to the Lordship of Christ, recognizing I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, He forgives our sin. He paid for it on the cross. Listen, it's not just simply, hey, I'm going to forgive you, but there was, it was, I forgive you because I paid for it. How did Jesus pay for it? By being sinless and going to the cross and taking the wrath of God upon him so that he could be the substitute, the propitiation of our sin. So he goes to the cross and he takes that which we deserve. And so when we lay our life down and submit to the Lordship of Christ, he gives us, we receive the forgiveness of our sins because Jesus paid 
that price. Not only do we receive the forgiveness of our sins, but we also receive a new heart. We receive a new heart. When we come to Jesus, he, uh, we, we lay down every bit of who we are, but we receive a new heart. I love what it speaks prophesying about this in Ezekiel 36, 26 through 28. He says, and this is verse 25, it says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone uh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues, and you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. Church, do you realize that when you come to Jesus, he gives you a new heart? We once were dead, now we're alive as we did baptism, buried in Christ unto death and raised to walk in the newness of life. He gives us that new heart, which means that we are a new creation. As it says in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away and the new has come. Church, he gives us a new identity it speaks in Ephesians, it speaks in First Peter that we are children of God, adopted, predestined children of God. When we come to Jesus, he gives us a new heart, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us a new identity, and he gives us the Holy Spirit of promise. I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot better than anything I could do in my own power or in my own or in my own strength. I love how Jesus says, come to me, those who are burdened, weary. For some of you here today, you may be saying, David, I have tried everything in this world to find peace, to find rest, and all it's done is brought about pain and hurt. Jesus says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All these things in this world that offer you peace, apart from Christ, will only bring about pain and hurt and suffering. Jesus said, but I come to bring you life, abundant life. Jesus says, come to me and lay it all down. And then he says this, I will give you rest. I will give you rest the second thing that we see here in this passage is the fact that, that there's rest to be found in Jesus. Now I want to be clear that next week I'm going to look closely at this understanding of divine rest or spiritual rest as we look into the book of Hebrews. But I do want to take just a moment this morning because this is what we receive. We receive that rest. Rest means to rest or to be revived or refresh. Church, how many of you desire rest today? The world is constantly looking for ways to rest, whether it's from medicine, vitamins, sleep studies, vacation. You know, the, this, this rest, this rest that Jesus is talking goes way further than physical rest. We need to rest spiritually in the arms of the Father. Remember, Jesus is saying to them, lay down the burden and I'll give you rest. There's a spiritual rest that he's talking about. We'll get into more detail next week. But I just want to take a moment and just say, have you ever had a long day, a tough day, and you come home and all you want to do is what? Rest. 
there's some similarities to this. That all I want to do is lay everything down and just rest spiritually in the arms of the Father. For me, the best example I can give you is just when I was on my sabbatical, you say, David, you're supposed to be resting. I know I hiked 15 miles one day with about 3,000 foot of gain. And we got home to our tent. And I was asleep before the sun went down in a tent. Because I was so exhausted from the journey. Now, it was amazing. It was wonderful, but I was so exhausted. All I want to do is rest. Church, it is, there's a similarity here. That for some of us, we're so exhausted with what this world keeps throwing at us. And Jesus is saying, come to me and rest. Rest in the Father's arms. We'll look even more in detail next week as we get into the book of Hebrews. But I want to continue on. So so when we come to Jesus, when we recognize we're a sinner in need of a Savior, and we lay it all down, receive the free gift of eternal life, receive the forgiveness of our sins and the Holy Spirit and a new creation, He says you'll receive rest. And then He says, take my yoke upon you. Be yoked with Christ. Be yoked by Christ. Now, a yoke was a stable gear that joins two animals as a team so that they will work as a team. So it's, it, it yokes these two animals together so that they'll work together. But a yoke also allowed the person or the master to lead and direct those animals. It allowed them to follow the lead of the master. You know, I thought it was interesting as I did a little bit of study that yokes were custom fit for the animals so that they would fit well. And Jesus says here, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. He's saying, follow my lead. How do we do that? Well, y'all know as I tell you all the time, we dive into this word. Here's that word, y'all ready? Abide. We abide in the word. When we abide in his word, we know how to follow that which he is speaking. We know how to follow the Lord's direction. How are we yoked by the Lord? We're in this. We're in the word. We let it wash over us. It shows us how to follow the lead of what Jesus is saying and doing. But Jesus says this. He says, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. It's just so interesting to me that this idea of yoke is easy. That's the word for kind. My yoke is kind. It's kindness. Think about this for a moment. A yoke was a heavy piece of equipment on the backs of these animals so that they would follow. And Jesus is saying, when you follow me, what you're going to find is kindness. I love what... Uh, Dan Ortherland says in this book, and I just want to read this to you. I told you I had two passages of this book that I wanted to read. And he says this. He says, my yoke is easy, needs to be carefully understood. Jesus is not saying life is free of pain or hardship. This is the same word elsewhere translated kind, as in, for example, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another and tenderhearted. Consider what Jesus is saying. A yoke is the heavy crossbar laid on the oxen to force them to drag the farming equipment through the field. And Jesus is using a kind of irony, saying that the yoke laid on the disciples, it's like a non-yoke. 
for it is the yoke of kindness. Who could resist the yoke of kindness? And then he says this, and I I love this example. It's like telling a drowning man that he must put on the burden of a life preserver, only to hear him shout back, no way, not me. This is hard enough drowning here in these stormy waters. The last thing I need to do is add a burden of a life preserver around my body. That's what we're like, confessing Christ with our lips, but generally avoiding deep fellowship with him out of a muted understanding of his heart. You know, when Jesus says, my load, the the yoke is is kindness. He's saying, follow me. You're going to feel, you're going to sense the kindness of God straight from my heart upon you. And then he says, my load is light. Why is his load light? I love this. Because we can't bear it in our own ability. We can't do it. He says, my load is light because I've given you who? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to do it in and through you. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to give you the ability to follow my lead, to follow my word. Church, when you try to do it in your own power, your own strength, it's called legalism. It's called uh, being trying to be righteous in your own uh, knowledge and understanding. And, and Jesus is saying, my load is light because I have given you everything you need for life and godliness. As I say often, we need to quit trying and start abiding. Well, David, I try so hard to do this right or do that right. And I I know that sometimes people can't understand what I'm saying, but I want to tell them that's your problem, is that you're trying. What we need to do is abide. If we dwell and abide in the Word, then the Holy Spirit produces the fruit in and through our life. Church, if we try, we're going to fail in our own ability. So what we need to do is abide. So Jesus says, hey, the load is light because I've given you everything you need. You don't have to bear the load. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. He's going to show you. He's going to direct you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you everything that you need for life and godliness. So we see, come to Jesus. We see rest in Jesus. We see that we're called to be yoked by Jesus. But you may say, but David, it's really hard to come to Jesus It's really hard to rest in him. It's really hard to be yoked by him because he doesn't know everything I've done. He's going to be disappointed. He'll give me what I deserve. It'll be the same as going to a parent when I messed up and I saw their disappointment on their face. Church, you may say, it's hard for me even though I'm saved and and I, I trust in Jesus But it's hard for me because I'm afraid that whenever I go and confess my sin that that he's going to be so disappointed in me. So upset with me. And as I read to you from this book two weeks ago, oftentimes it's the enemy who gives us a false understanding of the heart of Christ and the heart of God that we hold back with this human understanding that Jesus is sitting there disappointed and upset with us. And so it keeps us from coming to the one who's going to give us rest because we're afraid of how he's going to respond. And that's what I love in the last part of this verse. Jesus shows us his heart. He says, 
for my heart is gentle and lowly or humble. Come to me for my heart is gentle and humble. That's the reason why we started in Exodus about God showing Moses his character when he said, show me your glory. And we saw in his character that he was his goodness and his compassion and his mercy. And people say, David, I'm afraid to go to God because if I go to God, he's going to be so upset with me the way that my parents were so disappointed. I could see it on their face whenever I'd come and share something with them. Listen, as a parent myself, I recognize that there are so many times I'm like, oh, why did I let my face look like that whenever my son or daughter came to me? And we begin to build that up in our mind that that's what God or Jesus is going to do. And Jesus says, I want you to know my heart. The only place that I can find in Scripture that Jesus speaks of his heart is right here. And he says, it is gentle and lowly. That word gentleness is the same word in Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It's the same as in uh, Matthew 21. Verse 5, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a beast of a burden. Or in 1 Peter, when it talks about uh, a wife with a gentle and quiet spirit, it's the same word. Jesus is saying, hey, my heart is gentle towards you. There's humility, there's lowliness. When Jesus says that his heart is gentle and lowly, he's saying, this is who I am. And let me just say, the best example of someone coming to the Father because of they, they've recognized their sin and they come to the Father, the best example of this heart of gentle and lowly is found in Luke 15. And in Luke 15, we see the story of the prodigal son. He says to the father, hey, give me my inheritance. And he runs off and he, he squanders it all and, and he has nothing left. And now he's in the pigsty and it says he had this aha moment. He came to his senses and said, hey, it would be better for me to serve at my dad's house than for me to live in this style. And so I'm just going to go home and I'm going to say, hey, just let me serve. Let me just be a servant. And I love this. As he comes home, sinful broken the father's heart in leaving. He got up and he came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. He felt compassion for him. And he ran and he embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Is that not what we feel sometimes? Jesus, I'm no longer worthy. I have failed. I have failed miserably. I've sinned, oh God. And the father said quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and a sandals on his feet. He said, bring the fattened calf, kill it, and let us eat and let us celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he's come to life again. He was lost and he's been found. And they began to celebrate. Church, you need to hear this today. 
Jesus is saying, come to me. And he's not sitting there saying, oh, you're so filthy. And oh, you've messed up and all these things. He's saying, I have compassion for you. I see what sin is doing in your life. I see what the fall uh, uh, in Genesis 3 has done. It's, it's brought about death. This is why Jesus wept when, when Lazarus had died. Because he saw what sin had done on his creation. And he has compassion. And he says, come to me and you will find rest. I'm waiting with arms open wide. I want to just wrap my arms around you. I want to put the robe on you. I want to celebrate. And the enemy, Satan, is saying, oh, you can't go. You can't go to him. He's going to shame you. He's going to tell you how, how bad you are. Church, it goes even further than this. When Jesus was here on this earth, you can see this all throughout Scripture. I'm running out of time. I'm not going to go to all of it. But when Jesus is on this earth, what did he do? What did he do when he saw the unclean? Did he run from them? No, it says that he went to them. Think about this for a moment. In the Levitical uh, structure of things, if you touched an unclean person, what happened to you? You became what? Unclean. Jesus is the cleanest person to ever walk on this earth because he's sinless. Jesus, and I love how, how Elaine, uh, Dane, Dane spoke this, but he said, Jesus reversed the Levitical process. For when he was clean, which he is clean, when, when he, the clean, touched the unclean, he did not become unclean, but the unclean became clean. Jesus has compassion towards you, church. He moves towards the unclean, not away. He's saying, my heart is gentle and lowly. Come to me. Don't run. I love you. Compassion and mercy is there. Think about what Jesus said in, in Matthew 9, 35-36. Seeing the people, he felt compassion. Why? Because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. When we see Matthew 14, he says he felt compassion and he healed the sick. In Matthew 15, he said that he had compassion upon them because they were hungry. Church. Jesus has compassion. That's who he is. He's gentle. He's lowly in heart, humble. And he's not running away from you because of the sin in your life. He's actually coming to you. Will you embrace the heart of Christ? Will you come? Will you come to Jesus so that you may find, that you may find rest? You know, as we look at this, you may be here today saying, David, I have looked and, and fought for years trying to find rest and peace, and I haven't found it. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. You may be here today and you say, David, I've got some burdens on my shoulder, some situations, they are tough. I don't know what to do with them. And Jesus is saying, come to me. Lay them down. Now, I have to close by sharing this. 
that in Matthew 11, before he speaks this, he speaks of those that are unrepentant cities. And he says in verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if miracles had occurred in Tyre or Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment. And then he says the same thing about Capernaum. He says it would be better for, for Sodom than you because you heard and saw and you didn't come to Jesus. I say that to tell you that yes, Jesus' heart is gentle and lowly. He loves you. He's calling you to come to him. But when you breathe your last, if you have trampled over the blood of the Lamb, if you've said, no, I can stand in my uh, goodness before God, the Scripture tells us that the wrath of God will be upon you. It says that there's a place that was designed for Satan called hell. And the Scripture speaks that those who trample over the free gift of Christ who trample over the blood of the Lamb, they shall be with the enemy for eternity. I'm telling you, come to Jesus. For his heart is gentle. His heart is lowly. He loves you. He's not running from you. He's like the father of the prodigal son. And as he saw his son far off, he ran out with arms open wide. The son said, I've messed up. And the father said, he's home. We're going to celebrate. He once was lost, and now he's found. Today, would you come to Jesus?